everybody. Welcome to this episode of All the WrestleManias. I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm your co-host, Rich Sigwald. And as you probably have heard, hopefully, this is our last episode under the banner of the All the WrestleManias name. It's mm. been a great run uh, since December of 22, more or less. Uh, and we've uh, put a lot of episodes out there under this name, uh, but we're, you know, we're moving on. We're getting a new brand um, with the Wrestling Archives. So starting January of 2024, that's what's going to be our new name. So make sure that you uh, update your links and your um, your podcast uh, apps and that sort of thing should find us automatically because it's not like we're changing the pages or anything. It's just going to be new names. So, but if you don't recognize the name, uh, you know, take a look. It's us. We're still here and we're going to be pumping out a lot of uh, fun wrestling content as, as we always do. Um, we thought we might take a little bit of a look back at 2023 and the, the I mean, really kind of fascinating year we've <laughs> this has been a insane year for us and insane year for wrestling yeah you know we we you know we just started doing a little little podcast where we watch old wrestling and talk about it and kind of make fun of it and put it in social context for modern times and stuff like that too you know we call out the racism the the xenophobia and why that works so well in professional wrestling uh and stuff like that but you know, we started getting a little deeper this year. Yeah. You know, we started having guests on. We started talking to real life wrestlers. I can't. <laughs> that's insane to me. That's great. Well, and I appreciate that we've uh, done some more scholarly stuff. You know, we started that in 2022 with uh, with Dr. Jess. Um, that seems forever ago. Uh, and, uh, and you know, we uh, had Dr. Dr. Mark Willett on this year. We also did the wrestling panel here at um, Old Dominion University, where I work, uh, in the spring with some, again, some real-life wrestlers and some scholars um, who write and uh, write and research about wrestling. So that was very cool. I, that was a great way to kind of combine both my academic and, um, you know, entertainment interests. That was cool. Um, so, yeah, so we, uh, let's see, 24 episodes this year. Uh, including this rundown, so roughly two a month. Um, we had kind of scaled back. We were trying to get one one a week, uh, and then with you know with life and work and kids, illness, the ongoing collapse of our society, you know, just uh, yeah, once every once every two weeks seems <laughs> seems about right. Yeah, we're trying our best to maintain that right now. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Um, I'm not a, I'm not the best podcast partner. Sometimes I'm a little uh, a little hard to get a hold of, but uh, we're we're working on it. Um, and the um, the download numbers have been have been solid. I mean, we're up 35 percent versus the same period last uh, the year before. Yeah, um, and uh, we became global this year too. We had yeah. a we had at least one month to where our downloads in the United States were equal to the downloads just from the United Kingdom. Nice. And but we've actually been getting downloads from Hong Kong. Uh, we've had downloads from uh, gosh Saudi Arabia. We've had downloads from Argentina, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've we just had a download the other day from the Ukraine. So like we're we're on all the continents, people. Uh, we, we had a download in Egypt, I believe. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're on all the continents. We're out there, we're broadcasting and we're just sharing our love of pro wrestling. And so either 
keep on mapping your VPNs through these uh, yeah. other countries to make us look awesome. Or if you're actually in that country and you're downloading us, thank you so much. Yeah, shoot us an email. We're at um, new uh, email is wrestlingarchivespodcast at gmail.com. Um, we also, of course, have our socials are going to be updated for the new name. So our Twitter is going to be Wrestle Archives. Uh, Instagram is the underscore wrestling underscore archives. Uh, Facebook, again, will be changing names. Currently, we're called Hot Tag with Rich and Tim because we got scammed and had to change our passwords. And I, I felt very... Oh, I felt very boomer. I fell for that oh, one. Oh yeah, that's bad. Yeah. We teach we teach that stuff, and here we are <laughs> falling for it. And then the very first one that like hits us up, we're like, oh, oh this is legit. This is the so. end of the world. This is it. <laughs> this is it. We're getting ripped off. This we're getting is it. Banned. Yeah. WWE has found us. They're hunting yeah. us down for IP infringement. This is the end of the show. We need to rename. And then we didn't really. That wasn't happening at all. It was a scam. Uh, but so shout out, shout out to our buddy Jerry at uh, VCW for actually like talking us off the ledge and be like, hey, you know what, guys, these we get like dozens of these a month. And actually, since that first one, I I say we've gotten at least one a week. Um, so scammers, yeah. knock it off. Go go do something useful with I, your life. I think we got two a day during the Thanksgiving week. It was god awful. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all the same. They're all very apocalyptic. It's like, you need to verify your website because we think it infringes copyright and we're going to shut it down immediately and you're violating your terms of use and we're going to come to your house and uh, take off your extra foreskin and with a with a shrimp fork. And they're very intimidating. I don't, I don't like it at all. Yeah, this is a cease and desist delivered through Facebook Messenger. Very official. Yeah. Very official. <laughs> Which like, should have okay. been our first. It should have been our first clue. But hey, you know, yeah. we're learning. We're growing. Yeah, we'll get uh, there. So I will also say that the you know again the podcast continues to grow. Nine of our ten most downloaded episodes uh, of all time came out this year. Um, so it's not like uh, you know our episodes have kind of a long tail, but it's not like the you know the winners are the ones that are sitting there uh, from two years ago so all but uh wrestle war 91 which came out in 2022 um all of the top 10 episodes came out this year um the wrestlemania 39 preview continues to be our best performer uh wrestlemania 3 which we covered with the guys from turtle wars which was a lot of fun uh the birth of hawkamania episode awa super sunday 83 Clash of Champions, our buddy Boar made it in at number six. Yeah. Dr. Mark Willette is uh, number seven this year. Uh, actually, not this year, all time. Um, Survivor Series 95 at eight. Wrestle War 91 from 2022. And then number 10 was WrestleMania 27. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. Did Dr. Jess get dethroned? I'm. She did, yeah. Wow. She, uh, I, didn't, I didn't notice that. I actually I didn't Cause... notice where she was. Because, like... Dr. Jess had a huge spike of like a ton of downloads from the state of Tennessee one day. <laughs> and then for almost, she was like the pink Floyd of our episodes or dark side <laughs> of the moon where like, where like it just hid in the top 100 for like 30 years. And yeah. it was like, she had like a download a week at least yeah. ever since the release of her episode and i it was just longevity and just crushing everything but i didn't notice that i just assumed that she was still number one just because why I would, why she, would uh, i assume <laughs> i wonder if she spoke at a conference in tennessee or something that week uh yeah i don't know they don't googled know. her and found her <laughs> yeah so um 
So, and we also kind of diversified this year. Uh, 25% of our episodes dealt with WrestleManias. We did a current uh, WrestleMania preview for 39. We did four uh, of the, you know, the ones in sequence that we've been working our way through. So we did 26, 27, 28, and 29. And then we went back and did one retro uh, WrestleMania. That was number three with the Turtle Wars guys um, that we had covered on the blog but hadn't done a, a recorded episode for it yet. So those... Those were fun, but we um, branched out and did eight other wrestling shows or pay-per-views. There were two from the AWA, one from the NWA, one from WCW, two old-school episodes from WWF, uh, plus this Tuesday in Texas, Taboo Tuesday, and a Survivor Series. We uh, connected with the Turtle Wars podcast guys. Again, Jeff and Andy, they were a lot of fun. We did a show for them. them again. We should. We should get them back. They were cool. Um, I think we scared them a little bit when we went on their show and talked about wrestling. Probably. Um, we scare a lot of people when we do that. Yeah, that's true. Um, we had Dr. Will on, of course. And then I think, you know, our, our most fruitful partnership this year really has been this connection with Virginia Championship Wrestling, uh, yeah. which, again, kind of kind of grew out of, um, you know, them wanting to do a show at, at Old Dominion, uh, me connecting with Jerry, and then it just sort of blew up from there, and it's, it's gotten a little ridiculous, to be honest. Um, so we've had, of course, Jerry Stefanitas, um, Jonathan Elliott, who's their talent coordinator and, and one of their tag team champions, had the Golden Pinky Society, or, who were the former at the time, and now, again, the current tag team champions for them. Um, Mr. Excellence, Brandon Scott, Logan Easton LaRoe, the Boar, uh, and of course their beloved commissioner, um, George Pantis, and then all of that led us to the uh, the big one, uh, the I don't know what you want to call it, the the grand poobah of them all, David motherfucking Crockett. Yeah, um, that was incredible. Uh, <laughs> I, I've been extremely thankful of our partnership with Virginia Championship Wrestling, and it's a lot of fun to work with them. They're pretty cool. They're pretty chill. You know. Jerry every once in a while gets a hair up his ass, but you know he's we can keep him in line. He's okay. We can deal with yeah. him. Um, but yeah, they've they've really been great to us, and we hope they feel that we've been great to them by getting the word out about their shows and stuff like that. Um, but we we really appreciate the help from them, and you know we will always always pretty much be willing to talk to any talent <laughs> they want us to talk to. We will talk to anybody. Uh, so yeah, keep us, keep us in your thoughts there, VCW. Yeah, we've, uh, yeah, hopefully that's been, um, as, as productive for them as it, as it has been for us. Um, I did go to, uh, George's retirement show, um, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, here at the Masonic Temple in Norfolk, it was it was great. It was really nice to see so many people turn out um, to you know to bid him farewell. I met his uh, daughters, who were both really delightful. Uh, met some other members of his family. Talked to David Crockett and got an autograph for you. I have to deliver that to you. Thank um, you. And uh, they were they were giving out signs that said um, on the one side they said thank you George, and on the other side they said Jerry sucks. Uh, so I'm I'm kind of nice. mad I didn't grab one of those. Um, but also they kind of owe us money because I'm pretty sure we had the first Jerry Sucks sign. Yeah, the original Jerry Sucks sign. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, George's daughter sent us a, a very nice message thanking yeah. us for our interview of her dad and stuff like that. Yeah. So if you She's haven't listened sweet. to – Yeah, if you haven't listened to our interview of George, it is an absolutely fascinating conversation. He is a wonderful man, uh, a delight to listen to and to talk to. And has stories about telling stories. Um, 
and he is very charismatic and very open about his story, which is just very refreshing to hear. And also David Crockett is the same way. He was a delight to talk with and also very open and honest about what is happening with him. And I think, and what happened with Jim Crockett promotions. And I think with, uh, with him, you know, we're all aging and with him getting up there and, you know, losing his brother fairly recently, I think, David is really wanting to get out there and tell the story of his family's company before it gets swallowed up completely and and disappears. So, like, there's still legacy lingerings of the old Jim Crockett promotions and the NWA showing up in the WWE mostly as brands for the premium live events on NXT. Like, they've done Starcades, they've done Halloween Havocs, they've done, uh, they're doing war games still. All of those things you know, came out of, out of yeah. Crockett, out of the, out of the Crockett promotion out of mid Atlantic. And, uh, I don't think David wants people to forget that, that that's, you know, especially now that WWE is now under ownership of another company. So now WWE, so Crockett was bought by Ted Turner, who then sold that product to WWE. And now WWE has been bought you know this this legacy of historic wrestling has been swallowed up, and uh, I think David's wanting to make sure that the that the story is out there and that the real story is out there and can't be manipulated like we've talked about WWE doing to other yeah. historical figures in pro wrestling. So, yeah, and I think that's why it's uh, it's important to sort of get some of this history down. These uh these things sort of function. These podcasts sort of function as oral histories in a way. Um, I met uh, the widow of Luthez, of all people, at the last uh, show. Her name's Charlie. She's, again, delightful. She was significantly younger than him um, when they met and married. And so, you know, she's she's very, um, she's very sharp, very uh, engaging. And we had a really nice conversation about kind of the legacy of, of professional wrestling, the historical and cultural value of professional wrestling. Um, and I think we're going to try to maybe work together a little bit and see if we can do something to, to um, you know, get that stuff into, like, say, the, the archives at the university where uh, it can be available to future researchers. Because I do worry a little bit that, you know, these things are being lost. And they're in the hands of private collectors for the most part, which is, you know, at least they're safe, but then they're also kind of unavailable, um, you know, to the to the researchers. So um, anyway, just something I'm thinking about. Um, it's kind of churning in my brains. Um, if anybody who's listening is, you know, is into that kind of thing, you know, give me a shout and I'm easy enough to find. So let's see where you want to start. We watched a lot of wrestling this year. We did. (laughs) We did. We watched at least 14, 15 pay-per-views on top of our various interviews. And then we watched a lot of like modern wrestling too. Um, you know, weekly television shows and, um, premium live events and pay-per-views and whatever you want to call them. But I thought maybe we could first kind of begin with talking a little bit about some of the favorite shows that we watched in the context of the podcast here. So of those 14 that we watched, you know, do we have any favorites, any, any worst ones, um, and maybe some highlights from those? Um, do you want to, you want to start? Do you have a, a favorite show from this year's? You know, I think the most fun show that we watched was the ECW Barely Legal from 1996. <laughs> I think... Oh, I totally forgot that on my list, actually. 
I think that show had such insane energy that we haven't seen in any of the other shows that we've watched this year. Um, yeah, because even even when we watched that in the that war games match that we watched with with the four horsemen and stuff like that, that mm-hmm. was last year. So that's the last time that we watched a show that had like a super super hot crowd. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I think that's going to be up there for me uh, just because y- you legit had no idea what was going to happen <laughs> in that show. Someone, uh, th- I, I don't even think everybody lived going to that show. Someone yeah. probably died in that audience, and we have no idea. That show, the whole show was bonkers. It was great. The other one that I um, I would put in that kind of same category, it's just, it was so big and overblown and also unpredictable was the AWA Super Clash 85. Um, that was, first of all, it's, it's just a monstrously long show. It's, it's a little too long, honestly. But there are moments in that one, there, there's some really tremendous matches and there's some moments of, of chaos uh, and it's all in such a weird venue. It's in that ballpark and it seems like it's, the whole production is like barely held together with duct tape. Um, everything about it was, was great. It's like super low budget and shitty and amazing. Yeah. That one, especially with the chaos that it ends with, yeah. with Stan Hansen and, uh, uh, what's his name it's a martell. Rick martell oh mm-hmm. my god like they never even made it to the ring i don't think like it was just, it was just a fight and then like you th- the the crowd was getting in on it it was <laughs> fantastic yeah um the the other show that i would throw in there and it's the other awa show was that super sunday from 1983 um and i think that was mainly just because the crowd lost its collective mind when Nick Bockwinkle gets the dusty finish on Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Uh, and you you see that Hulk Hogan and the Hulkamania there is just ready to explode. It's just a ticking time bomb. And it's just waiting, waiting for something to happen. And it just wasn't going to happen in the AWA. You had to, you had to wait another year for him to be over in WWF and to beat the Iron Sheik and have that insane moment of of hulk hogan beating the iron sheik but there's just such anticipation in that awa super sunday show that makes it just an absolute blast to watch yeah we did a lot of uh, hulk hogan digging this year we we started with that awa show and then we did that madison square garden <clears throat> show where he beat the iron sheik um he was on another old school one i think that we watched right when he was still wearing yeah, we, white yeah, we watched uh, the, the 1979, his Madison Square Garden 79. debut against uh, Ted DiBiase. Right. Um, and that one was that one was decent. Uh, and then, yeah. of course, we watched Bash at the Beach 96, which is his momentous heel turn, which is, you know, maybe one of the top 10 sort of most important uh, moments in, in pro wrestling from, you know, 80s or 90s. Um, so we, uh, we, you know, we've never really... I don't know. I mean, I guess you're always a Hulk Hogan fan, right? Like some people of our of our generation, you're you're never like really gonna stop. Even if you hate Hulk Hogan, you like Hulk Hogan. You like it's Hulk Hogan. Really, yeah. It's yeah. really weird. You can hate him, but you actually like him. You you oh that jerk Hulk Hogan. Oh well, you like him actually. Like <laughs> you're just Bobby Heening. 
Heenan yeah. on on Hulk Hogan. That's all you're doing. Uh, speaking of Hulk Hogan, my friend in Texas, my catfish friend that I've never met, uh, sent me a giant Hulk Hogan bobblehead for Christmas. Oh, that's hilarious! Um, picture soon to come on 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 the socials, uh, but it is. I bet you it's it's almost two feet tall. It Holy is a shit. huge. It's a huge bubble. I've never seen a bubble head this big. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. That sounds incredible. Uh, yeah, so it's another one for the collection. It'll join my background here with uh, the Undertaker bobblehead that's hanging out up there, and the Bret Hart mm-hmm. glasses and stuff. So we'll, uh, yeah, I, I can't see I that. Can't yeah. Wait. yeah. <laughs> Did you have any uh, nominations for the worst shows we watched this year? You know, it's funny that we I put the Bash of the Beach under favorite show, uh-huh. and you put it under worst show watched, and I think it's both. Yeah. If it didn't have that Hulk Hogan heel turn in it near the end, that show is a dud. It's yeah. just a stinker. and I But I think it's a stinker because everybody on that show is nervous. Like, if Hulk Hogan comes out and... and uh, at the end and turns on macho man at the end there what happens if the crowd could have very well have stayed with hogan and turned to nwo face and made macho man heel like that's how much sway hulk hogan has it no there's a very strong possibility that hulk hogan stays a good guy no matter what and the WCW crew, the anti-NWO crew, end up being bad guys out of that. And so I think everybody was just so on edge about what that show was going to end with that everybody held back and their, their performances were just meh. Yeah. Yeah, there's not a whole lot to recommend that show, again, except for that that ending. And I do appreciate the way that they kind of build to the thing throughout. Like uh, Gene Okerlund is always... He's going back to see if he can figure out who this third man is. It's you know, and he's like, I hear voices. He sounds very familiar. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, and it's uh, you know, it's, it kind of hams it up a little bit and builds and builds and builds. Um, and it, and that ending is is really it's worth watching because you know, when he comes out, the crowd goes nuts. They're like, oh shit, Hulk Hogan's here. He's going to save the day, like he always does. And then he of course does the exact opposite. And you can, it's just it's. Um, it's remarkable, actually, to see a crowd like not know how to react to something, with the exception of that one fan in the middle, in the front the row. Du- <laughs> the dude with the ECW shirt that just wants yep. to watch the world burn that is so happy. Yeah, that guy's just like a giant middle finger right in the middle of the yeah. show. Yeah, um, so great. But everybody else is, is like legit stunned. You know, it's very unusual to see a, a reaction that is so authentic like that. Yeah, uh, especially anymore. So, the other one I had as, as the worst was um, part of our two for Tuesday show. Oh. We did this Tuesday in Texas, which was all right, uh, and that was an old one. That was like right after WrestleMania, or right before WrestleMania, the very first one. And then we did Taboo Tuesday, which was um, a sort of cyber themed one with coachman and it was it's fucking awful don't listen to the episode you'll have a good time listening to the episode don't watch that show please yeah i mean there's some fascinating stories about how what edge was supposed to come out of that with and stuff like that but like supposedly the fan voting in that show was authentic Mm -hmm. and so that's that they just had endings determined upon how the how the audience voted online so if 
that that should give you a sense of how that show is that <laughs> like it's mid 90s and is it mid 90s or is it yeah. early 2000s you know uh, you I know. can't remember but either way it is early days internet yeah and nothing compared to what we have these days and so you can you can almost hear America's dial-up modem screeching to <laughs> to cast these votes it um, was oh it was 2004 it's actually later than I thought yeah okay so they're using their DSL lines yeah uh, to vote but yeah it's <laughs> It's not. It's not an enjoyable show. Per, yeah. per, per Mom, se. don't pick up the phone. Yeah, I'm voting for Shawn Michaels. Don't pick up the phone right now. I gotta vote for Chris Benoit. So, our, our younger viewers <clears throat> have no idea what the fuck we're talking about. No. I had a roommate. I think I probably talked about this on the show. I had a roommate in college who would. Um, he played Diablo and those. You know, those, some of those games. Oh yeah. Late late nineties. Um. So every night Starcraft. he would. Yeah, he would like hook up to the modem. And like the phone would just be off for like four or five, six hours straight every Sunday night, um, and that was that was his thing. So it's fine. I didn't have anybody to call anyway. Any yeah. other uh, stinkers this year? We there were there wasn't that many actually. I, uh, the 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 Hulk Hogan nineteen seventy nine debut at Madison Square Garden. That card was kind of lackluster. Yeah, um, but. No, I mean, I don't think we... I think also those these WrestleManias from this that we watched this year, for the most part, very mediocre, very tough to tell the difference between. Yeah. It, none of them really stand out. The only things that are really standing out are the bad things, like <laughs> the extremely overbooked uh, and very choreographed Sean or uh, Triple H versus Undertaker in a cell with Shawn Michaels as the referee, like it's theatrics. You can see them moving through blocking to make sure that they're close to the camera and the microphone so that you can hear their dialogue. It's yeah, you know, it's, those those are the only things that really stand out from those shows. I, yeah, you know, but. I will say that one of my favorite matches of the of that we've watched this year for the for the podcast came out of WrestleMania 27 and that was Undertaker versus Triple H just normal that match was really good to <laughs> yeah. where like and then the end where they actually are acting like the Undertaker might actually be dead and they're checking him for a pulse and stuff like that yeah. <laughs> like, it's too much, but that match was spectacular. Like Undertaker, like unconsciously chokes out Triple H. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's just grabbing at whoever's near him and putting in a chokehold and and winning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was that was actually that was actually a pretty good one. Um, considering it has two people that I'm not all that crazy for, um, that was a pretty good one. Um, one of my favorites. Let's see. I don't know if I had any from uh, WrestleMania, actually. I had multiple ones from that AWA Super Clash, um, and they were for a couple different reasons. So one, that Rick Martel versus Stan Hansen thing that we already mentioned. It's Again, it's not really a match. It's like a couple of bulls um, on speed and steroids crashing through a bunch of chairs and audience members. Um, there's also a Freebirds versus Road Warriors match on there that is like it's classic mid 80s uh awa like violence and drama and crowd 
involvement and it's it's really awesome and then the last one from that show it's I, again it's not so much the match it's just more of the the aura of the whole thing so you had the kind of the young studs versus the old guard and the old guard was ray stevens nick bockwinkle and larry zabisco you know all of whom are phenomenal uh, and on the young guys side you have greg Gagne, which yeah he does not belong there but the others are scott hall and kurt henning who are just two like golden gods i don't know how old they were there they were they look like little babies, babies but they're babies yeah. they're, they're incredible uh, so that was that was a really good one yeah and you know we have to mention that we watched macho man versus ricky steamboat for this oh, yeah. of course this year uh with the wrestlemania 3 episode with the turtle wars guys and basically gave them a lecture as to why that is the greatest wrestling match of all time possibly um but then outside of that we did watch some other great ones i put down the it's a women's tag match which is unusual to make it on this show but it was the wendy richter and joyce grable versus judy martin and velvet mcintyre from the awa super sunday 83 show that we watched and that match you can see that wendy richter is is a superstar and is is going to be as close to a female Hulk Hogan as you're going to get out of that match. That was but an also, awesome match. Yeah, yeah. The rest of them just worked hard and they were tough and they were stiff and they were getting in their licks and just man, they were tearing it up. They they did not leave a, a corner dry in that match. Like they tore everything up. I couldn't believe it. I wish the AEW women would watch that match and take some notes. I just wish they would watch that match and just reproduce it. Just <laughs> step for step. Just do it again. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else? That, um, so we mentioned, you mentioned um, Steamboat versus Macho Man. I also had Flair versus Steamboat, the two out of three falls match from NWA Clash of Champions 6. Uh, that's a barn burner. Um, that's the, is that the last of their three? Uh, uh, I think that middle? was the number two. I think that was number yeah, two because we watched one. them out of order. Was, That's right. You know, we're smart. That's why I confused myself. Um, and I really like Brett versus Diesel from Survivor Series '95. Uh, yeah, that's a that's an all timer. Um, that's such a uh, excellent use of you know Diesel's size versus Brett's sort of technical abilities and just the the storytelling is phenomenal. And Bret Hart is, you know. You, you know, you guys know how we feel about Bret Hart. And that was the very first time the Spanish announce table was crashed through. It was when <laughs> uh, Diesel powerbombed Bret through it. And that was the very first Spanish announce table break. And I was there. Never forget. Never forget. You really liked that uh, the Japanese uh, match from... Um, oh, which yeah. One, which one was that? What show was that? Was, that? that was from the, a, uh, from the ECW, ECW Barely Legal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the Blue World Order Japan versus the Great Sasuke Gran Hamada and Masato Yakashuji. Um, I probably just butchered that last name, but here we are. Uh, and that match had everything in it. It is possibly the best six man tag match I've ever seen in my life. And uh, it's funny. A, a reel on on Facebook just came up in my feed uh, like yesterday, saying you how many people remember this match you should if you don't you should go watch it and it's like wow and it's that match and i again was just like enamored and i watched it like watched that reel like five times in a row just because it is so good that they do aerial tactics uh 
that makes sense. There's no standing around and crowding around, so you can dive onto the five other people. There's no real bullshit happening. It is wrestling, and I don't want to call it its purest form because there's a lot of showmanship in it. It's it's a Japanese style match, but there is brutality. There is acrobatics. There is everything for everyone in that match, and <laughs> I will I will. I will die on that hill. I will tell people to watch that ECW show just for that match. Yeah, it was phenomenal. And it comes out of nowhere, too. I think that's what made it so special. It's just like you're watching along, and you don't really expect it. And then all of a sudden, like, holy cow. And you're like, oh, six-man tag, a bunch of Japanese people I haven't heard of. And then you, it, it starts happening in front of you, and you're like, oh, Jesus. And then and then your life changes. It's great. And then the last one I think we both liked was that Hulk Hogan versus Iron Sheik match. Again, just because of the first, well, a couple different things. Iron Sheik's nuclear level heat in anything he did in that period. Uh, Hulk Hogan's equally nuclear amount of being over with the crowd. Um, the the drama, the tension. It's again, it's a pivotal moment in wrestling history. It's the the passing of a torch from the sort of old school shooter to the you know to the young stud guys. Um, it's the uh, the looks over the uh, technique, maybe. Um, and it's uh, it's comic book storytelling at its finest, uh, and it's it's a very important moment. And it's not just um, it's fun. It's a it's a lot of fun. So, yeah. So that's uh that's some of the wrestling we watch for the show. And then of course we did a bunch of interviews this year. Um, more than I think we maybe only did one or two the year before. We talked to Doctor Jess twice. Yeah. Uh, that was pretty much it, right? So right. Yeah. This is the year of the interview. <laughs> Let's keep it going. Yeah, I like it. It's a lot of fun, actually. I feel like, and I feel like I'm, we're learning how to do it as we go, kind of learning a little bit. Um, so I thought maybe we could just talk a little bit about some of our um, favorite moments from the interviews, um, and I can start. Maybe I liked. I really like talking to the boar. I kind of flipped my shit when we got on camera, and he's sitting there in his house with like a t-shirt on and his, and his boar mask. I thought that yes. was great. Um, yeah, I was like, he's doing this. He's really going to wear this mask for a podcast interview. This is incredible. Because I wasn't sure, you know, because we had told him, you know, we would we can do video or not if you want. And, yep, nope, he's all in. Um, and then I also really like, he was he was a cool guy. I liked, I liked him. He, and he really, uh, he kind of lit up when we um, sort of, flagged some of his obvious influences, you know, Kevin Nash being a big one, obviously, but um, we talked about a few others and he, uh, you know, I, I feel like he kind of appreciated that we were paying enough attention to see, um, you know, some of the, some of the, the folks that he, um, he also enjoyed. So that was cool. Yeah. And it, it definitely showed that he's a bit of a wrestling encyclopedia. So we got to oh, get yeah. him back on and get him talking some more. Um, that is for sure. Yeah, because he was like, um, I forget what was something about. He's like, well, you know, if you go back to the, the show on this show and then this year and blah blah blah, you know, that match is where like he knew it. He knew it the shit backwards and forwards. So, um, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to watch some uh, maybe some old WCW with him. Maybe watch um, I don't know. Maybe watch some more Kevin Nash. Something we can, we should do that. Yes, for sure. Um, Boar, come on again. Anytime, please. <laughs> Rich will write you another theme song. He wrote a special one. Uh, I did. I did. I wrote one for Brandon, too, but I never got to play it for him. Oh, uh, well. That's all you right. Could, you could send it to him for a Christmas card. Maybe. Maybe. 
But now he that he's fun. working, now that he's working as a good guy, I don't know. I, I might have to change it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did enjoy talking with Brandon. I loved Brandon gave such a great, real perspective and insight into how you become enhancement talent for uh, the big guys, and really shared how important that is. And just uh, even you, you even if you're just what they call a jobber you've made it in the business if you've even reached that level of of performer you you are doing really good for yourself yeah because think about you know hundreds thousands maybe of guys and girls who uh, are out there laboring away in the in the indies and you know basically doing it for for gas money and a and a tuna sandwich or whatever Austin used to talk about right um, and uh, and bag you of know, raw the, potatoes yeah the opportunity to get called up and and perform on on live TV like that is is really cool and we've we talked to both Brandon and uh, Logan Leroux also has done some of that work on AEW yeah. and uh, um, et cetera so that's that's very cool. Um, also, for their interview with uh, Jerry Stefanitsis, I liked talking shit to Jerry. Um, he deserves it. He's a jerk face. But you liked that his favorite wrestler was... He loves Doink the Clown, and so yeah. I'm right there with him on that Doink. <laughs> uh, and, and we were both bonding over original heel Doink. Yeah. That is that is the sweet spot. Once Doink started becoming kind of a good guy and a fan favorite, but it also wasn't Matt Bourne at that point, so... Yeah. Give me the Matt Bourne doing the clown that will make babies cry. <laughs> and uh, I'm yeah. all in. And he'll do the stump puller finisher because you didn't you don't see that move much. Uh Doink pulled it off and that was uh that was a lovely moment between me and Jerry, and like the only moment between me yeah. and Jerry. Because otherwise uh I was giving Jerry the red ass during that whole interview. Yeah. Because he's a jerk face, as we established. Well, yeah, I mean, he hit George with a kendo stick. How can you hit George Pantas? Like, how can you hit yeah. him? I don't understand. I wouldn't even talk slightly crosswise to him. No. He's like America's Greek grandfather. Everyone loves he really George. really is. He it's, really is. It's, it's kind of like if if uh, if Jerry can't even, you know, find it in his cold, black banker's heart to, uh, to love George Pantas, then, you know, what is he even doing? Like, he should just... Why should he live? You know what his his wife told me actually at the last show that she said you know Jerry sucks. I'm like, that's what I've been saying. So she she knows too. She has to live. Oh it, so. well, I bet she knows. Yeah. Anyway, oh. moving on. <laughs> um. So he he we talked to we talked to him. We cleaned our our keyboards and stuff down afterwards. It was all right. Yeah. Um. But then of course we talked to George and he had a great he had a lot of great stories. Um, yeah. And then of course David Crockett was uh, was a highlight and there, he had a bunch of different stories. I know you had. You had some that you really liked from him. I really enjoyed being able to tell him, quote unquote, in person, uh, that how uh, I grew up watching his product. And it was his wrestling company that got me into watching pro wrestling before WWF. And that it was his company that made me and my mom bond over pro wrestling. And so that was always, that was a really nice feeling to be able to share that with someone and open up. It's been a part of my therapy to to open up about my feelings with things, with people and stuff. So, uh, David Crockett helped me move forward in my therapy. Well, that's uh, nice. But also, the stories that he told, 
and <laughs> the insights that he provided about like what happened with Jim Crocker promotions and the WCW and the Ted Turner deal and how important it was for him to be a family business. And that's, you know, that was, that was kind of a real perspective into the type of person that he is. And I think, you know, we're with WWE now no longer being a family business. I think it's almost the end of times for it's the real end of times for that kind of wrestling, that kind of wrestling promotion and stuff like that, that like wrestling was a very much a family business. And it's really weird to think of it that way. But, you know, there was the Gagne's, the Crockett's, the Von Eric's, the McMahon's, they were their, their families and they carried mm-hmm. on that tradition through the years and from generation to generation of running the companies. And now that that's gone completely from pro wrestling, um, that's another good reason to talk with David Crockett and get him to share his stories. Uh, plus you get to learn about Ric Flair wearing nothing but a robe, his title belt and what the good Lord blessed him with. And smack and, and smacking people with his with his dong, I believe was yes, uh, very Johnson. proud of his Johnson. I believe was the direct <laughs> quote from David Crockett. And then uh, in the interview with George, George revealed that he was at that party at the Baltimore Marriott. So we need to get more stories out of George in 2024 about how the hell does George Pantis, America's grandpa, sweetheart man, end up at the Baltimore <laughs> Marriott with a naked Ric Flair. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, we need to get him back on for sure. We'll, he'll do it. He's, uh, he's, he likes to say he's delightful. You know, when we were kind of coming up with the questions to ask him, I had sort of I hesitated a little bit on some of the ones that you had put down about sort of the, you know, the end of the sale of WCW and kind of the way that it, it all transpired. Because I wasn't sure, you know, how much of that would still be kind of a sore subject or yeah. how cagey he would be about it. But honestly, I, it was very refreshing to talk to him. And he was just he was just straight up like he didn't really he didn't pull any punches he didn't talk in like code or subterfuge or anything he just he really just kind of told it the way that he remembered it and the way that he felt about it which i thought was uh was really valuable so that was cool i had put those questions down because i felt that we should ask them but i also was like well if he's if he's being a little cagey we can keep the conversation light with him and that's fine but he just suddenly was totally willing to just be like, yeah, I hated Ted Turner. Like, okay, well, let's get into that subject. Yeah. Uh, kind well, of, he, kind of he, vibe. He kind of had some things to say about uh, Tony Khan and uh, Billy Corgan, yeah. too. So, anyway, if you guys haven't checked that episode, you know, give it a give it a whirl. It's, it's a hot one. Uh, he was great. His wife was delightful, yeah. too. Actually, I met her at the show. Yeah. She, was, oh, nice. she and my wife hit it off, so maybe they'll invite us to their house so we can hang out down there. Um, we also met some other uh, wrestling folks this year. We met Mike Kyoto, you know, world famous referee at the uh, event here at ODU back in the spring. We met Nyla Rose at the Alexandria show. I know you went to an autograph show and caught a bunch of folks you were hoping to see. I had a long list for that autograph show that I went to, but then the plans changed because I, I first went to Lex Luger and he had a picture of him while he was in the Four Horsemen with Ric Flair, Tully and uh, Arn Anderson and J.J. Dillon. And I looked at my little pamphlet of of all the people that were there, and I was like, hey, all these people are here today. 
<laughs> I think I'm going to get all of their signatures, and I completely pivoted. I I did not get Ted DiBiase that day like I had planned to. I did not mm. uh, get uh, Brian Cage, and I didn't get uh, Nikita Koloff that day either. Uh, and I just pivoted to getting all the horsemen, and then I got uh, Luke from the Bushwhackers, Aww. which which was uh kind of sad because it was only that show was only like a week after butch had died yeah um and but i got luke to sign my copy of the biography of the bushwhackers that you bought me um (laughs) i i told him about getting licked and (laughs) and uh yeah he was he was a real delight talking to even though i'm sure he was not feeling up to being at that show that day yeah did he have like does he have like a serious accent like Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, still. yeah. and yeah, and he, they still—he still pretty much walks around the same, which I'm sure is just <laughs> from years of of abuse and and the hardcore yeah. style wrestling that they did before they were the Bushwhackers. Yeah. Um, and he still looks the same too, which is kind of weird. He just yeah. he just looks more more pudgy, but you know that's what happens when you get older. But yeah. um, that's hilarious to me that they were like. You know, like the New Zealand Terry Funk, like basically, you know, and like yeah, and I mean, even you can see on that one thing that we watched. Uh, I don't think it was this year, but the um, what was it? It was a grab bag thing, uh, VHS. Uh, smack yeah, em, whack the smack them, whack them. Yeah, you can see that their foreheads are just like a nightmare of blade scars uh, from the, from those days. And then yeah. for them to be at that that because they were like what forty or whatever when the. Um, when they kind of made that push in, in WWF and switched them around to become these like kid friendly, uh, kid friendly like goofballs, basically, is 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 really, which is it. really the only way I knew of them until yeah, like same. I started seeing all these bios and people talking about them like they were the most terrifying people you ever wrestled besides the Road Warriors and then like are are we talking about the same team <laughs> like what. The guys that just like run around with their other, with their partner in a headlock and headbutting yeah. people that way, like I don't, like using your partner as a batting ram, is, I mean, and it's like licking licking kids on the way to the ring and swinging your arms like a maniac. I don't that team. <laughs> they're the scariest team you've ever seen in your life. Like oh okay. Mm. So, I forgot. Um, I also met um, Sergeant Slaughter you. this year, and uh, he was great. And I met our buddies in Demolition again. Chad sat with behind the table with them for a little while and talked about nice. uh, Wahoo McDaniel and um, they, they're they're such cool guys. One of these days, yeah. Bill Eady, it's happening. Bill Eady or, or Barry Darso or both. It's it's got it's going to happen. George, I think, can make it happen for us. Yeah, George, make it happen for us. We would love to talk to those guys. Uh, they are some <laughs> of our favorites, and especially Barry Darso, especially yeah. with how he made like so many gimmicks of his career work from. Yeah. Repo Man to Crusher Khrushchev to uh, being in Demolition, like it's he's had one of the most amazing careers in pro wrestling, I think. So I got um, at that show since I already had the signed Demolition, you know, duo from the first one where we had met them. Uh, I got a Crusher Khrushchev one that um, Mr. Darso signed, and I got a, a masked superstar one that um, that Bill Eady signed, so added Lovely. to my collection. Yeah, and um, Magnum TA, I guess I met this year too. Yeah, uh, that was yeah. like January, I think, up at Hampton High School. He's he's pretty cool. Um, yeah, and yeah. I met Tony Atlas at the American oh, Legion. Yeah. 
Great. And my dad's American Legion post uh, at a, <laughs> a little indie show there. Uh, and he was just kind of sitting there alone. Like, I don't I don't think mm-hmm. a lot of people in this. It was a very young crowd, surprisingly, yeah. for an indie show. So I don't think a lot of people knew exactly who Tony Atlas was. But he was uh, very kind and very nice to talk with and chat yeah. with. And signed signed a really cool photo for me. And then uh, at, at intermission, he got in the ring and gave a weird promo of you know back in the blue and stuff like that it's like oh all right but it was like at church it was weird it was a very weird vibe that was coming out of that but i mean he also knew his audience he's at an american legion post so he's not gonna get up there and say acab or anything like that so (laughs) uh i mean i don't know so so you know funny but it was a it was a nice time, and I've had a lot of fun this year going to indie wrestling shows. It's something. While I might not have had a lot of time to watch like the big the big brands and their products, mm-hmm. you know, I've been able to make some time to go to some indie shows, which is actually more enjoyable, in my opinion, and uh, a lot more supportive of the business. Because if you don't pay the admission to go see these guys work at your fire halls and your rec centers and your American Legion posts, you don't see them developed enough to go into the big time. And so you could miss out on, on a Hulk Hogan or, or a, a Roman Reigns or an LA Knight kind of guy. Yeah. I've, I've enjoyed it as well. It's, um, and you get, you get up close and personal with the action, you know, in a way that, in a way that you don't necessarily get in that, you know, that I've been to the WWE, uh, raw right at the at the scope or whatever and you're a yeah. mile away from anything and the most of it's on video and um whereas you know at the like the vcw shows you walk around during intermission and like there's the guy that just wrestled or there's the guy that's going to be on later and you, you know they'll talk to you and shake your hand and take a picture and sell you an um, autograph or a t-shirt and it's it's um it's fun and I, like you said i get you get to support people much more directly um, not support just a giant corporation and hope the profits trickle down to them. <laughs> so. Yeah, and you get to see the boar in his uh, mid-90s WCW fanny pack collecting <laughs> cash. He's just, he's cash only. He doesn't want the governor, government breathing down his neck taking that's money right. from him. So hey, don't, cash only not, for him. Let's maybe not put that on the uh, on the air. We don't need to get our buddy. He said credit. it in his own interview. Come that's on. That's true. We don't need to get him. I'm sure he pays all of the appropriate. Um, I'm sure he pays enough sales tax. Yeah. All right. Uh, so let's see. So beyond the the shows we watched and the episodes we did, I thought we could just kind of run through some wrestling news this year. It was a very eventful year. I think you know wrestling definitely has these ups and downs. I think we're in a in a huge up period right now. WWE, of course, is doing uh, record numbers on all of its shows. It's signing these uh, like deals, multi-billion dollar deals. And I don't, you know, I'm not a um I want to be a stooge for a for a capitalist enterprise here, but it is fascinating to see um something that, you know, every I don't know, every 10 years or so somebody will declare that professional wrestling's dead and it's all you know, it's dumb, it's lame, it's over, nobody's paying attention, and then it comes roaring back and it finds a way to make itself relevant again. Um, so this year we saw um, Vince McMahon kind of leave and then come back again um, with uh, a cartoon villain mustache. And almost almost not a, a Me Too moment almost for Vince, but somehow he survives that. Yeah, so. pulled, pulled it out for 
no pun intended. Um, and then, of course, <laughs> speaking of family businesses, you know, they sold it to basically a massive uh, media conglomerate, Endeavor, and same company that owns UFC. So now <laughs> Vince McMahon and Dana White are, um, I don't know, co-whatever, I don't know what you want to call them, in the same, uh, in the same venture. Um, that's weird. Which, which honestly has been a long time coming. Yeah, you know, we've seen WWE borrow a lot of stuff from MMA to try and make itself seem more real. The whole concept of tapping out in a wrestling match—that—that's all from MMA. Mm-hmm. We've seen wrestlers jump back and forth between MMA and pro wrestling, including Brock Lesnar, CM Punk, and you know, Ken Shamrock is is an early example of that. Ken Shamrock mm-hmm. actually started as a pro wrestler, then went to MMA, and then came back to pro wrestling. Uh, um, Matt Ronda Riddle. Rousey, mm-hmm. uh, Steve Blackman, um, Dan Severn. You know, so this is this kind of stuff has been been a long time coming, and honestly, while we're talking about WWE borrowing from UFC, UFC is also borrowed from WWE of of injecting small storylines to build heat going into their into their matches. Um, you would see they they'd have like little little vignettes of stories of like real heat between the guys that are about to fight, but then after they just kick the crap out of each other, they're hugging afterwards. <laughs> You know, or they're shaking hands before the match and stuff yeah. like that. You know, so there's always been a little bit of show there. Uh, and they've been borrowing from each other forever, so they might as well be in the same company now. Yeah. I mean, whatever. And they're in the they're in the same business, more or less, right? They're yeah. selling violence or simulated violence uh, for money. The other um, things that have, that have boosted um, WWE this year is um, Cody Rhodes making his return to that company at, um, uh, well, I guess it was a Royal Rumble, right, in January, and then going to WrestleMania, and everybody was so certain he was going to get that title from Roman Reigns, which looking back is kind of silly to think that he was going to happen that quickly. But I got suckered. I think a lot of us got suckered. But just the- Oh, yeah. I threw my phone. Yeah, no, it was infuriating. I can't, I can't imagine in this day and age me getting so invested in a pro wrestling story <laughs> line that I throw my phone. Like, I no, know they, too much. I'm they too got smart. Us. No, they, they got, got us. It. Just like that Facebook scammer, man. It's like the Facebook <laughs> scammer. WWE just like fed us and and ran us right down the road mm-hmm. of like, look, Cody. This is Cody's destiny because. I don't know if you knew this, but Cody's father is Dusty Rhodes. What? And we just... This is the first time I'm hearing about this. We just fell right for it, and my phone went across the room at midnight (laughs) that night, and I couldn't believe it. We want to be fooled. We want to be Uh, fooled. Solo Sokoa, man, that jerk face. God. He gets you with that Samoan spike every time. Uh, and o- over on the AEW side, they kind of fumbled um, CM Punk returning and got him fired, and everybody said he was washed up and done. And of course, look where he is. Uh, another just absolute ratings blitz for WWE. I think, um, you know, you and I are both been watching AEW since the beginning. I think we're both rooting for them. You know, we want there to be an alternative to the big company. Um, I, I just want it to be better. It's, it's bad and it's getting worse in my opinion. Um, I don't know where they go from here. It seems like every, 
opportunity they get with some actual talent. They shoot themselves in the dick. Um, they they build. They don't build anything. They blow it off immediately. Um, they let the people do just fucking stupid things, and they get themselves hurt. Um, Dante Martin let a fucking lucha jackass like the Canadian destroyer him through a table, and he turned his ankle around backwards. Like, stop oh, that! that. Was, stop that, was that rough. shit! <laughs> That was rough. Stop that shit. Yeah. It's just is like that's just like a, a weekly taping, man. Just like yeah. take it down a notch. Yeah. What the hell? You know. I think that may have been a Ring of Honor show actually now that I think about it. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't even on like regular TV. Like people had to see it on the internet. Mm. Anyway. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean I am rooting for AEW. I always I'm rooting for every wrestling company because yeah. I think wrestling is a great, incredible art form and important for our culture for like just like if anything, a violence blow off and a distraction from the real world shit that's happening. Yeah, for real. Um, you can you can get the satisfaction of actually seeing a good guy win because you don't see that in the real world. That's and true. Um, I just, you know, the CM Punk thing, man. They had a gold mine on that. They could have built if if the young bucks. And Kenny Omega knew how to really do business. This is where I'm going to sound like Jim Cornette. If they really knew how to do business, they would have recognized that you take that legit heat and you put it in the ring. 100%. And you let them. And every week, no violence, every week, you give them 20 minutes to talk and yell at each other. Yeah. And you, you got it. And that gives cm punk time to heal from the foot injury that he totally was not ready to come back from nope. which is the reason why i think that whole thing was a work was that he wasn't ready to come back and he was still hurt and he needed more time off and so he gave himself a way to get time off and but then you know punk also then can't control himself and he yeah. gets then he gets in a fight with with jungle boy jack perry of all people in in england at Wembley Stadium, and now he's out. And now, you know, the, probably the moment his his uh, non-compete ran out, oh, yeah. he could show up over in WWE, which, you know, WWE, AEW did nothing but prove that CM Punk was still a draw, and therefore WWE was like, well, then we'll pay him money. <laughs> and I'm sure he just doesn't go in the same room with Triple H and he's fine. And they yeah. they probably keep CM Punk in like an isolation chamber in the back so he can't talk to anybody. It's like, okay, now it's your turn. And they open up like a, and put blinders on him so that he can't see anybody else going to the to the gorilla position and going out so that he just he just goes he goes from his little isolation pod to the ring and back. That's that's yeah. it. And so he can't engage with anybody. He can't get in real fights. I watched that um I watched that pay per view where he came back and it was on a Saturday night and so it was opposite collision. Uh and I have no idea what the fuck's going on in collision. I wa- I did watch it on um on the D V R then eventually, but like I, I was as I was watching it I'm like this this buries AEW so completely that it's hard to really see how they're gonna come back from it. What, who do they have to compete with? That you know they have a bunch of like these indie guys that nobody outside of their eight hundred and fifty thousand people who will never stop watching that show um, 
ever know or or, or care about. You know, who who are they going to sign? They're not going Brock Lesnar. No, uh, they're not going to lure away somebody like a Roman Reigns or Seth Rollins. That's never going to happen. Um, there's nobody out there who's like tearing up the independent circuit. Now maybe they could like flip somebody from some other area of celebrity, like uh, you know, like the same way that like Logan Paul um, has kind of made it a big deal. Maybe they get like. I don't know, whoever the next Vin Diesel is to come over and be a wrestler or something like that, that might. But otherwise, I think, I don't know. I don't know where it's. Uh, I mean, why would you leave WWE for AEW yeah. at this point? Because WWE won. Yeah. You already work one-fourth of the matches that you would work over in AEW. <laughs> yeah. And with people uh, who aren't going to hurt you. Right, and you have the performance center that makes sure that you're properly trained and you're in line mm-hmm. and in step, and WWE doesn't screw around. And so you might not have as much creative freedom as you would in AEW if that's a, if that's what you really want, but also you're not going to get Canadian Destroyer through a table and have your neck bent the wrong way. <laughs> that your knees aren't going to bend the wrong way. You're not, yeah. you know, like... In WWE, these injuries are freak accidents, and, you know, I think, you know, like, in the situation of Big E, uh, whatever that dude's name that, like, decided to do that spot on the outside of the ring, he should have been fired for that. Yeah. That was that was unnecessary. Anyway, I don't want to get off all on a tangent there, but, like, why would you, why would you do, why would you jump? Yeah. Why would you jump ship unless WWE has fired you and you're desperate to work and you still have a draw? But yeah. then at the same time... What they're going to do is they're going to do what they did with, with Brian Danielson. They give you an awesome match for the title against Kenny Omega. You go for the time, and then they just bury you over time. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets buried over in AEW unless you're Kenny Omega or the Young Bucks. Yeah, and, and they don't. We've talked about this before, but they have, they have entirely too many people on their roster to actually have folks appear in a consistent and effective way that actually builds towards anything you know like when you've got that many people all you can do is basically let people have appearances it's a it's cannonball run it's just like here's uh here's this movie has a hundred celebrities in it like okay how how long are they on screen um 14 seconds each yeah i mean but i i'll i'll counter you with that i want you to sit down and bring up on the peacock some of the world championship wrestling clips Uh wrestling episodes they're two hours long they're filmed in a studio with tony Schiavone and david crockett mm-hmm. promo match promo match promo match promo match and it's engaging the matches mm-hmm. are fast-paced the 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 promos are completely ad-lib as david crockett was explaining to us that they're completely mm-hmm. made up on the spot they're just told where the story needs to go and you will not see a more engaging wrestling show in your life Bring them up. You'll see all those old Ric Flair clips that you always see going viral. All those clips that, that like no context Dusty memes uses in their videos. You'll see them all there. They're all there. You got just, just do do yourself a favor and start watching some of that stuff and see what that kind of stuff was. And that is the reason why I fell in love with the NWA's new product is because it's very close to what yeah. that was. NWA is now even straight away from that a bit, which is which is why I've stopped watching them for the most part too. Yeah. But if AEW could do something like that, and it's two hours, and it's in totally engaging and engrossing, and they have all the talent and all the skill there. They have Tony Schiavone, who was on the damn show, 
right there to tell them exactly how to do it. But as David Crockett was telling us, they have all this experience and this brain trust happening of years and years, hundreds of years of man hours of professional wrestling experience that is not getting shared because no one is asking the right questions. When you have Arn Anderson, Tully, Tully Blanchard, Sting, Tony Schiavone, Jim Ross, Jeff Jarrett, Ric Flair on your roster in the back and your champion isn't sitting down with them and asking questions of, of and reviewing tape with them, what are you doing? You know? So since we um, since we're covering the uh, sort of wrestling news and kind of current wrestling, I thought we could just hit a, a couple of highlights and sort of favorite performers and favorite matches from this year. And I know that you said you you I know that you haven't had uh, much opportunity to watch. So I was just going to flag a few. Maybe you've seen some of these. Maybe you yeah. um, didn't. I know we talked about WrestleMania 39 and the three way with Gunther versus Sheamus versus Drew McIntyre. I thought that was a phenomenal match. It was yes. I I rarely ever like uh, the three way matches and that, but that one actually was really great. Um, Gunther also had a really cool feud with Chad Gable on Raw, mm-hmm. um, and those two had a couple of excellent matches. Basically, anything Gunther does, I'm there for. I'm I'm into that guy. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. And his um, a guy I always think of as his counterpart because he had a couple of absolute. Um, just bangers with him in NXT is Ilya Dragunov. Uh, he's still laboring away over there in NXT. Um, I don't know if he's going to make the jump. You know, he's um, he's a smaller guy, but he's super dramatic. He's super. Um, I don't know. He work. He seems to work stiff, but he's uh, he doesn't seem like he's hurting people. Anyway, so just this weekend, actually, the NXT Deadline show, um, he wrestled Baron Corbin, and it was a slobber knocker. Like it was. Like I thought somebody's gonna get murdered. Um and he so Ilya the thing I like about it, he's really good at getting beat up and then mm-hmm. but then making you believe that he can still power out. Um and I think a and guy he fights that, from Yeah, he fights from underneath. It's yeah. really good. Yeah. And so he he pairs really well with somebody like um somebody like uh Gunther, obviously. Um and with Corbin, uh, but he also had some really good matches with Carmelo Hayes this year, who's much more of his size. On the women's side, WrestleMania 39 also had Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair. Those two are, yeah. are great, uh, really athletic. Um, Bad Bunny versus Damian Priest from Money in the Bank was like more fun than it had any right to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns, I think just because of how hooked we all, <laughs> we all were. Oh, God. Uh, totally bamboozled. Um, and on the AEW side, I'd say uh, Danielson and MJF had a really good match uh, at Revolution, I think it was. Um, FTR and um, fought Juice Robinson and Jay White. They did a two out of three falls on like one of the earliest collision. I think it's like maybe like the fifth episode. That was really good. And the more I see of Juice Robinson, the more uh, impressed I am. I didn't really like him at first because he's got kind of like the crazy fraggle eyes and hair. Uh, and he's got a voice that sounds like uh, I don't know somebody who smokes uh, crack out of a of a helium tank, but um, he's actually really good. He's really athletic. Mm-hmm. Uh, he moves around really well. He's a big guy. Like he's bigger. He's deceptively large. Um, so I, those are some of my favorites. I don't know if you had any others that you paid attention to this year or that you remembered. Um, Brock 
Lesnar versus Cody Rhodes, I thought was excellent. Oh, um, that was a good one, yeah. Especially with the build with them with uh, Brock repeatedly breaking Cody's arm. Yeah, uh, and then uh, that match had a lot. Uh, looked a lot like another match that we had watched this year that was uh, a young Cody Rhodes versus Big Show. It had very similar vibes uh, of of Cody trying to knock down the big man, uh, just trying to get through. Uh, But instead of just being overly large, which, I mean, Brock Lesnar is, but Cody also had to deal with Brock Lesnar being ridiculously strong and ridiculously angry um, and kind of use that anger that Brock had against himself, which was uh, excellent, like uh, storytelling in the ring, which you don't get a lot these days anymore. um, And excellent, like uh, ring psychology happening in that match, which we don't see much of. Um, But that was the only, that match I had, I had flagged along with Cody versus Roman Reigns is because, God damn it, they told a story and suckered me in. You sons of bitches. Damn it. <laughs> we they yeah, they, they got us. That um that Brock versus Cody one also had uh Brock Hardway and himself on the uh on the ring post or the turnbook yeah. or whatever it was and, and splitting his head open. That was cool. You don't see that too much anymore. Um no. so that, I think you know, I think they did that on purpose so they they snuck one snuck one by him over there. Yeah. So some of those matches featured some of our favorite performers, this you know who are sort of current this year. You know we both really like Cody Gunther, of course. Uh, we're both big MJF fans. Um, who else was on your list from this year? Uh, L.A. Knight, man, this is the yeah. rise and rise of L.A. Knight. Yeah, yeah, my boy, my boy, Hagerstown, man. Let me talk to you. So. I so am happy that he's found something and it's going well for him because he was a standout over in the NWA. Apparently he was excellent in TNA. And now, even though he's, he's probably in the twilight of his career at his age, he is being a superstar. And these people that are saying that he's nothing but a rock, uh, ripoff can shove it up their butts because uh he is totally unique and a special guy and um i will mark out for him any chance i get no he's great and i think i told you my wife won't stop saying yeah like yeah we're <laughs> we're not not even watching wrestling she'll, she'll you know and she says yeah for something and she'll follow it up with yeah you know i'm still trying to get the kid to do it oh I'm still working care- on him be careful what you wish for <laughs> Oh, no, I want him dropping all the wrestling catchphrases. <laughs> you also have to teach him to say, my wife. Like, my wife. Like, poor. Um, I, yeah, I really like, I really like those guys. I like Ellie Knight. Uh, I like, I mentioned Ilya Dragunov. He's really good. Juice Robinson. On the women's side, uh, Rhea Ripley is really a standout for me. Um, I don't have, I don't have too many others. Charlotte Flair has only been kind of around this year on the WWE side, so I don't, I didn't put her on the the list. She, she's always good. I think her time is is coming to an end. You know, yeah. she's you know she's been around for ages. Uh, yeah. I think we got to put Cody Rhodes up there in one of the performers of the year. Every single match he has, I think he is telling the best story in professional wrestling right now. I know that he's repeatedly saying, "Did you know that my father was Dusty <laughs> Rhodes?" But it is a compelling story because Dusty Rhodes was so good, and yeah. he is latching onto that, and he is showing that he can tell a story like Dusty can, and but in a more modern way. And he is relating to fans, ironically, 
way more than he was able to in AEW. He had lost the fans in AEW. Um, and I don't know what happened there. I don't know why. I think it was just because, one, I think he painted himself into a corner with the whole thing of, like, if I lose this match, I'll never challenge for yeah. the championship. And then he lost the match. Um, but, you know, I think being not having to run the company, because he was, he was a vice president over it, AEW mm-hmm. and just being able to be talent at WWE is actually something that he's thriving in and he's able to really tell his story and show how much he's developed from uh, those those days of of old and you know he had that insufferable documentary come out about him <laughs> so bad God. so bad he is insufferable in that but it's that's that is the documentary that makes you realize that all of the all of the WWE wrestler biographies that they do nowadays are all a work and they're all part of the story and all part of them developing a new form of kayfabe. This is the year that kayfabe has come back, um, and it's just it's just a different type of kayfabe to where like social media, the documentaries and streaming and all that are all part of it. And we're all suckers for it. And why I was so convinced that Cody Rhodes was going to win at WrestleMania 39, that I threw my expensive smartphone across the room <laughs> in rage uh, when yeah. Sokoa jumped yeah. over and screwed him over. I think, um, I think maybe you sort of touched on something here and I think part of the, Part of the reason I don't think he was he was so over in um, in AEW is it's a, it's a much more cynical presentation. You know, it's it's always sort of mm-hmm. nodding and winking at the whole premise of professional wrestling. Whereas on WWE, there's still this sort of at least veneer of kind of like earnestness, right? And Cody's really good at being earnest. You know, he he talks like he wants you to believe what he's saying. He wants to talk about things like family. Um, and so when he was on AEW and he was doing that promo about the, that was fighting the, the boxer guy from Britain, uh, whatever the fuck. And, um, he did a basically promo about how he solved racism with his, with his black wife and, and daughter. Um, it came across as too hokey for the sort of the context. Right. And like, and I think, you know, the fans sort of made fun of him. Whereas maybe with a little twist or two, that that kind of thing would, I think, have totally gone over in um, in WWE. You know, maybe a less personal version of it, but it would have been like a, like a Disney version that would have, um, again, sort of had that sheen, kind of the same way the documentaries all have that sort of like veneer of a high-gloss finish, you know. Always aware that you're looking at the image of the person, not necessarily the, the real person. So anyway, that's just my yeah off the yeah because like WWE's product is is a lot like the Marvel universe to where like they've they've built an entire universe where these super athletes these superstars exist in and they're telling stories within that between all of these superstars now and while I wish they had more matches on their programming they've got the storytelling back. Yeah. AEW has no storytelling. They but that's because when they started AEW and it was Cody at that press conference that was like we're not going to have good guys and bad guys. We're not we're going to have win and loss records that matter. And then they ignored that. Yeah. 
they threw that right out. People were coming in at one and zero, challenging for the championship, and that's something that kind of like UFC did too. And but like, it didn't work. That doesn't work with pro wrestling because people people know that pro wrestling results are are predetermined. Predetermined, yeah. And they they know that it's an athletic display to a predetermined finish, and therefore, where's the excitement in that? The excitement is the story that's being told and the why they're fighting and stuff like that. And if they're not, and if they're only fighting because they're ranked number four and they're ranked number five for the championship in, in contendership, no one cares. Yeah, because you can already tell who's who's supposed to be on the rise and who's who's going down. You know, it's not like in boxing or MMA to where like you have the second and third contender face each other to get a shot at the first contender. Like. Yeah. Because you don't know who's going to win that. In pro wrestling, the audience knows that someone knows who's going to win this match. And therefore, you need to tell a story to cover that. And WWE is doing that. Thus, me throwing my phone at Roman (laughs) Reigns. And, you know, fans fans that go to the WWE shows are completely in it. They are sucked in. And, but... At the same time, I, I just finished rewatching that wrestler's documentary, and Al Snow is at one point says, look, they've got legit heat happening. The crowd is booing. Nobody boos anymore. And no one does boo at a WWE show anymore. They cheer for the good guys. They cheer for the bad guys, just in slightly different ways. And it, that kind of that kind of takes, takes the heart out of it, some for me. But, you know, at the same time, the storytelling is, is there. They're telling a great story right now with Seth Rollins and CM Punk. They're telling this great story that uh, Cody Rhodes is going to be coming back around. They're going to bring it full circle. And by WrestleMania 40, he's going to be facing Roman Reigns again. And he will win this time. Um, it's just a matter of right now, are they going to tell the story by way of CM Punk winning the Royal Rumble? Or is Cody going to win the Royal Rumble two years in a row? No, it's it's interesting, and I think um, as we sort of mentioned, his Cody jumping from one company to the other has like pointed up the differences in the presentation and in the just the whole look and feel and um, I mean, everything about the those two. So um, that's been it's been an, a very interesting um, time, I would say. All right, so I we want to kind of wrap up this episode, and I don't want to end on a down note, so we'll. We'll do the down, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit about what what's coming up for 2024. Um, so I did want to just take a moment and do our, our in memoriam for 2023. Um, we lost a lot of uh, wrestlers and wrestling adjacent folks this year. Some, uh, you know, who long after long lives and careers, some people really kind of cut down way too soon. Um, some folks we've already talked a little bit about on here, Bushwhacker Butch, we already mentioned, um, let's see, who else do we already mention? Joyce Grable, um, from that, uh, that women's tag team match, uh, we mentioned already, um, Jerry Jarrett, one of those, um, you know, family guys, the Iron Sheik, uh, Lanny Poffo, of course, who was Macho Man's brother, superstar Billy Graham, who was, you know, one of the, the sort of the proto-Hawk Hogan, I would say. Um, also one of the first guys to get super into steroids and then also one of the first guys to have a lot to say about it afterwards. Um, and I think he actually did a lot of good after, um, because of his own, his own bad experience. Um, guy sort of 
got off played off as a joke uh, a lot you know because of his gimmick but mantar um, passed away this year uh, the hardcore texas res- wrestling legend um terry funk uh you know one of, again one of the one of the greatest of all times he's on the mount rushmore for sure uh passed away this year um darren drostoff young guy who never quite he got there almost and then you know not quite uh another one cut down entirely too soon tragic tragic losses uh, jay briscoe from the briscoe brothers similarly bray wyatt um you know just really some really sad stories this year again i don't mean to bring, bring folks down um in the uh sort of old timers uh categories uh, adnan al kaisi uh we saw as general adnan he was you know often teamed up with the iron sheik uh he was at a wrestlemania or two adrian street um somebody we actually haven't seen yet on any of the shows we watch we should maybe seek out his um his yeah. stuff i know that um he worked with uh he worked with cornet um he was sort of a um, a flamboyant uh, type, sort of a, an Adrian Adonis kind of, uh, you know, sort of pretty boy, maybe kind of effeminate. Was, you know, he, he played up the ambiguity for sure. Um, let's see, Peggy Lee Feather, uh, some wrestling adjacent folks who showed up at um, WrestleManias that, that we've talked about. It's Jerry Springer and Paul Rubens, a.k.a. Pee Wee Herman. Uh, and then some maybe more obscure folks you may not know. Um, Emile Dupree, who was the father of Rene Dupree, um, but who was a, a noted wrestler in his own right. Um, Billy Two Rivers, who worked with Jim Crockett Promotions. Uh, we thought we thought maybe David mentioned um, him, that he had worked with George Becker as a tag team. Um, and Jeff Gaylord and Lumberjack Pierre. That's all we had on our list. And, of course, we if we missed anybody, we uh, we apologize. We did, their, did the best research we could. Um, their thoughts about any of those folks anybody that you want to you know i talked a bit about when jay briscoe died that that was that was a real heartbreaker and really hit me just because i had met him a couple times and seen how well him and his brother connect with fans um it's a rare thing to see uh when we went to the first ring of honor show that uh we went to um I talked about how we, when we were leaving, we saw there was this like just huge pack of people on like the grassy lawn by the arena right next this this there, and you peek into the center of it, and there are the Briscoes posing for pictures and signing autographs, and like no charge, just just signing and taking pictures, smiling, laughing with fans, letting them hold the title belts and stuff like that. Um, just. They seemed to have a genuine love for the sport and the art, and they had a genuine love for their fans. And uh, knowing that one of them is no longer here because of just an absolute tragic car accident. Luckily, his his children, who were also in the car with him, were okay. Um, but losing losing Jay was definitely sad. Um, Darren. Drozdov too. He was he's a sad loss, um, but um, he never recovered from suffering the power bomb that paralyzed him from D'Lo Brown, and that really also uh, put a kibosh on on D'Lo Brown's career too, just because it was such a such a bad botch all the way around. Um, superstar Billy Graham 
it was was spectacular in the ring, uh, a flamboyant personality, but also extremely outspoken on the treatment of wrestlers and uh, how they should be respected and treated as employees and stuff like that as well. Was so he was up there with Jesse Ventura on in that matter and and was willing to sacrifice his career over that too. Yeah, he um we I think we've talked before on here about that that little documentary 350 days and where they interview yeah. a bunch of wrestlers about, you know, the life in the territories and then days on the road. And his segments of that movie are just, are absolutely riveting. He's just a, a magnetic presence and a, a very assured speaker. He's, he's super knowledgeable. He goes on at one point yeah. at length about sort of the way that steroids destroy your body from within. And, you know, you can tell that he, he's speaking from experience. He's like, well, you know, it sucks the leeches, the calcium out of your bones. And then you have to get this part. And then you're, you find that you need spinal surgery like I had in this year. And and he goes, it goes on and on. And you can tell he's been through it. And he really, uh, yeah, like you said, he, he didn't shy away from, um, from that. Jesse Ventura was kind of like the, um, the GoBots version of, uh, superstar Billy Graham. You know, he was really, um, kind of the 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 knockoff a little bit and he never quite got there in the ring but he of course he had a much bigger career outside of the ring um you know we we uh we're huge iron chic uh fans um you know both all-time heel uh and it's been fun to see his sort of late career social media surge and him getting kind of the the respect as a legend of the earth, Bubba. Um, so, you know, I wasn't terribly surprised to see him go. I know he had been in poor health and he was, he was really getting up there, but, um, yeah. Anyway, so that's, that's the year in review. Did you have another one? Uh, yeah, I was going to talk a little bit about Jeff Gaylord just because it's, again, it's another, another tragedy. It was a guy that was so close to getting there. He was represented by downtown Bruno, you know, um, um, and he was so close. He was in the USWA, the WCCW, the UWF, worked with Bill Watts there, and he made a brief appearance in the WWF, but, you know, he just couldn't quite get there and eventually was arrested uh, for uh, bank robbery, for committing two bank robberies, and he got paroled, but then he went out and robbed the bank again. Probably, you know, probably needed money, and um the reason why anybody even knows that he passed away was that he was homeless at the time when he died and was found uh uh dead on a bus stop bench in inglewood uh colorado that's awful it's just a yeah it's just a, a a sad story you know and i think it harkens back to the stuff that billy graham and jesse ventura were talking about of like equal fair treatment and proper treatment of professional wrestlers as, as a career and not treating them just as independent contractors that just come in and throw their body around for you and like giving them health care and proper income and treatment. And, you know, so he's another one that kind of fell victim to that. And, um, yeah, I think that's, that's just an important tale to hit on that a lot of these a lot of like a lot of pro wrestlers die young partially because they just don't get the proper treatment that they need to sustain the career that they're trying to do for us yeah 
So we did, you know, like I said, we didn't want to end on a down note. So we want to talk a little bit about what's coming up in 2024. Obviously, as we mentioned, we got a new name, new outlook, new logo, new business cards, new T-shirts, new socials. As the wrestling archive, starting with our January episode, let me run those down for you uh, one more time, just so you have them. WrestlingArchives.com. New Twitter is at WrestleArchives. New Instagram is the underscore wrestling underscore archives. Uh, Facebook will be changing our names uh, ASAP to uh, the Wrestling Archives. And if you want to support the show, which we super appreciate, it's ko-fi, ko-fi.com slash Wrestling Archives. You can drop us the cost of a cup of coffee. It helps us upgrade our uh, audio equipment so we sound as good as we possibly can. helps us um, occasionally buy some Facebook uh, other advertising so that more folks can find the show. Uh, we can hit all the rest of the countries for downloads. Uh, and we have a new email at wrestlingarchivespodcast at gmail.com. Um, we'd love to get uh, some, you know, some feedback from the listeners. We'd love to feature your questions. We've featured some uh, viewer or listener uh, requests in the past, uh, you know, to review a particular show. Um, so if you have that, those kinds of things, uh, you know, send them our way. We'd like to hear from you. Yeah, Nick, if you're still listening, you know, we miss you. We haven't heard from you in a while. Um, <laughs> yeah, where is hope, Nick? Hope you're, we hope you're doing okay. Um, and also along those lines, we also have a, a store on tpublic.com. Cool. So search for the Wrestling Archives on tpublic.com. Buy a t-shirt or, or a Frisbee or, or something with our new logo on it. It's a pretty spiffy logo if I say so myself. And I do say so myself. And that's because <laughs> I made the logos. You should be proud. Um, yeah. Anyways, you know, we got some great stuff already lined up going into 2024 here. We're going to be talking to uh, Mr. Vince Valor, who is a mm. guy that operates out of Buffalo Championship Wrestling up in upstate New York. Uh, seems like a real legit guy. He seems to be suffering from an injury right now. So uh, just trying to fill up his time with some uh, some talking and um yeah, it's going to be great to talk with him. We hope to have George on again, tell some more crazy stories, get more of his bio going for us. And also, uh, probably the first show that we're going to review in the year is going to be Capital Combat 90, right from the DC Armory in Washington, D.C. You might know that one as the one with RoboCop. Hell that is the yes. one <laughs> where... Uh, the one, the only RoboCop shows up and, uh, <laughs> with Sting, it's, it's an insane series of spots that are, it's unparalleled in professional wrestling, honestly. And, uh, ever since, probably since WWF tried to debut the Ninja Turtles as wrestlers, uh, <laughs> this one is, this one is definitely up there. So... Don't don't forget the the gobbly gooker. Uh, oh yeah, the gobbly gooker. Uh, so keep your ear out for that for those things coming up. Keep an eye on your on your feed. And um, yeah, we got some exciting stuff for 2024 going down. I'm super excited about the name change. Yeah, me too. Um, and you know, if you're working in the wrestling business, you're a, you're an indie um, you know, performer. We haven't talked to a, a woman wrestler yet. We'd love to have uh, some women performers to come talk to us. We haven't had a uh, like a manager, you know, valet type 
uh, yet. I'd like, we're hoping maybe we can get somebody like Neil Sharkey from VCW to uh, to come on and talk. Uh, we're interested in you know sort of highlighting uh, your stories, your perspectives. Um, you know what got you into the business, what makes you tick, uh, who you like to watch. You know what kind of wrestling is is your bag, baby. Um, so those those are all uh, things that we're definitely open to. So you. You can find us. We're easy enough, and uh, we'll 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 talk to literally anybody. If Frankie the parrot, Coco Beware's parrot, was willing <laughs> to come on the show, we'd we would have him. He's dead. You know, well, there's probably multiple Frankies out there. Yeah. So, uh, well, all right. So this kind of I think brings us to the end of our. Uh, year in review episode for 2023. I think so. I think we're going to need to do another episode that is the wrap up of the 2023 year in review episode. Like yeah, this got a little long. Sorry, guys. Yeah, um, <laughs> but it was a it was a busy year. We had a lot of shit going on. Uh, yeah, that was a lot. And of we fun. hadn't talked in a while, so it was <laughs> we had a yeah. lot of lot to talk about. Seriously. And we hope you all enjoyed it. If you had a favorite moment from uh, 2023, from our show, from current wrestling, from old wrestling, you know, favorite form, any of that kind of stuff, you know, drop us a line. Uh, the Wrestling Archives, uh, Wrestling Archives Podcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on socials. Uh, we, we'd love to hear all about it. So, all right, we're going to sign off before this show actually rolls over into 2024. So, for now, I'm your co host, Tim. And I'm your co host, Rich. And we will see you as the Wrestling Archives in 2024. Happy New Year. <laughs> Bye.